Hey, Scott and John here with Bible Mysteries. We want to thank you for being a listener, but we'd love to invite you to become a subscriber. Absolutely. This will only help us to expand the amount of people that we're able to reach and show the secrets in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. And if you subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, you get some great benefits. Access to every current episode, the full thing, even with our interviews and any special events we do. Plus, we have downloadable show notes. We have our community forum and Slack that you can join. And we have our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter. So for just $7 a month, you can help support us get the word out and defeat the satanic global elite. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 122, The Mystery of Mars, part two. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And we are going to continue to do so as long as we can, John, to talk about things that kind of stir some feathers and ruffle some feathers, whatever. I want to start off today again asking you to uh, think about um, sharing, liking, and subscribing to all our social media feeds, Twitter, we're back on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, rumble. And don't forget, we have a new website, uh, which is BibleMysteriesPodcast.com, And we'll have, uh, the latest updates on that. We're going to eventually add a storefront. Uh, people have been talking about, um, asking us when are I'm going to be able to buy a shirt or a cup or you know, <laughs> something like that. And uh, we're working on that, folks, believe me. These are just prototypes, I guess you yep. could say. But we're going to eventually make them available to all of you. And all those funds, as, as always, are going to go to fund this ministry and keep it rolling. we got a lot to share, and we, we feel like we have little time left yeah. uh, to do it. On that note, we want to take this time again, as always, to thank our premium subscribers, which we call Seekers, for supporting Bible Mysteries. and are, They're extremely vital to the ministry and this work and helping us to cover our expenses. So this episode is sponsored or brought to you by these three Seekers who joined us in September. This is uh, going to be Arthur P., Mike B., and Scott G., so thank you three for being a part of our Bible Mystery yeah. Seekers family. And uh, yeah, we're as as of uh, several weeks ago, John. We have exceeded 133 amazing uh, unique listeners. By the time you hear this one, we're probably closer to 135 or 36. Wow. And um, you know that's because of you. That's just amazing that you guys would uh, support and share us and tell people about us. We just want to continue. Yeah, that's to, a lot of people. Yep. hearing a message that. The world doesn't want you to know, right? And, and we're literally all over the <laughs> yeah. world. I mean, it's 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 a fascinating to think about the fact that while ninety percent or better of our audience is America, we're in all these countries mm-hmm. uh, and, and countries that don't even have English as their first language. I'm trying to get the screen to show up, and it's just fighting me and eluding me. All I want to do is Uh-oh. make it bigger so I can read it. And it's like, no, nope, no, nope, we're not going to do that. Uh, but John, we've been talking about Mars, the yeah. history of Mars, and I think we uh, we kind of um, uncovered some possibilities, Yeah. no definitive scriptural reference yet that we've seen, but we kind of left off looking at the possibility that there's a connection to Lucifer, Satan, yeah. the dragon, yeah. and being the anointed cherub uh, and the stones of fire, Yeah. nine yeah. stones that he was covered with, and then it said he walked among the stones of fire. Could that have been a reference to him having sort of like an over authority, so to speak, or yeah. dominion over nine realms or nine planets. Nine planets, yeah. Very interesting. And when we think about, but there's only eight planets in the solar system because they don't count Pluto as a planet anymore, yeah. even though it was when I was a kid. 
could it be that there's a missing planet, one yeah. that was destroyed, and we, we talked about the asteroid belt. Yeah. Could that have been? While while scientists generally don't agree that it was, in fact, the remnants of a planet, there's nothing to prove that it wasn't, Yeah, uh, I don't believe. And uh, the Bible talks about something called Rahab being broken yeah. in pieces. And we looked at several possibilities of that and say, what if that was once a planet? And so what we're going to get into today is there's a connection perhaps between the planet Mars and Eden. We see Mars and its devastation on the surface through the Curiosity (laughs) rover, through the Perseverance rover, those pictures that NASA has. We've got links you can go to to look into that. There's even some links about Rahab and others. We're not the first to think about this. Yeah. That Rahab may have been a planet that was destroyed and that Mars could have been some sort of like a stationary um, planet of, uh, not stationary, but what, what, where they stationed troops, so to speak, okay. is what I'm trying yeah. to think of. Uh, like it was sort of a, a, a headquarters for launching attacks against Interesting. Heaven. And it would kind of make sense in a way that Mars might have been one of those planets um, it's called the, the Mars is named after the god of war, yeah. Ares in yeah. Greek. It's called the red planet. It's always traditionally been associated with war, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to note that <laughs> even way back in America's history, like in the early 1800s and, and even later 1800s, a lot of discussion of little green men from Mars yeah. was going around at the time, like Jules Verne. And uh, remember when they did the War of the Worlds mm-hmm. uh, radio broadcast by, um, oh, who's Rosebud? Uh, who's the guy? Um, big actor. I'm just drawing a blank on the, the famous movie uh, okay. of Citizen Kane. Yeah. And I just, uh, uh, I don't know who I'm it is. embarrassed to say that this actor is somebody <laughs> I should know. No, I should know very well. Uh, but he was the one that did the radio program, War of the Worlds. Yeah. That actually scared people. They thought it really was a Martian yeah. invasion. That's crazy. So it was very much a thing that people thought possible, you know, that mm-hmm. Mars was, was a planet that could have been inhabited. And it's always been dismissed as, you know, by real scientists as, yeah. a, as a hokum about, yeah. or a fantasy, whatever. But we're looking for evidence in the Bible, folks, about is there a possibility that there's a connection. And so the Bible has things in it that are certainly meant to be taken in the in the application that it fits historically. Okay. Certainly dispensationally, you know, where yeah. if, if God meant it for Israel or for the church today. And then spiritual applications, you know, can be sometimes a little bit easy to go off in flights of fancy. Uh, But if we let the Bible govern our thinking, we can usually rein that into a proper context. Uh, And we're we're considering the idea that Timothy Alberino puts forth in chapter three of his book, Birthright, that maybe there's a connection between Mars and the nation or person of Edom. Okay. And he's surmising the idea that uh, while Esau was the brother of Jacob, and they were okay. very much real people. They were yeah. twins, yeah. brothers. Uh, but uh, Esau grew up to be basically the arch enemy of Israel. Okay. Jacob's name was later changed to Israel. Okay. Esau's okay. name was later changed to Edom. Okay. And we left off looking at the word idumea, mm-hmm. which is another version of the word Edom. Yeah. And so we're going to pick up from there and delve into a little bit about what we were discussing, where we left off. Okay. And we're going to tie this connection to Mars and see if there's anything to it. So should be fun. Let's dive in. And we'll go back to the uh, Isaiah 34 because that's where the term idiomia was mentioned. You know, it's funny. I remember it wasn't that long ago, maybe less than 20 years ago, a movie came out called Mars Attacks. Yeah. And do you remember that? Yeah. It was a comedy. It was like Martians that had like skulls. Yeah. Right? And their face and looked with like a skull. brains inside <laughs> a big bubble. Right? Yeah. And uh, music from Slim Whitman made their heads explode. <laughs> I think it was like an Indian love song or something, a cowboy love song. It was actually a funny movie, but there's something about Mars. It's always historically been like when we yeah. first started the first episode, I told you about Edgar Rice Burroughs writing John Carter of Mars. Yeah, yeah. And we've had uh, traditionally there's been the thought of little green men invading uh, even Nikolai Tesla. You're familiar with that name, right? Yeah, okay. He's basically an, an inventor of many things we use today. Yeah. Radio, fluorescent lights, microwave ovens. I mean, all that can be tied back to him one way or another, and even potentially some sort of a free energy device. 
In, okay. Allegedly that he made. Uh, but he, he was sort of a genius, and yet he claimed that he got a lot of his ideas from extraterrestrial beings out of what he called the other, and he said they communicated from Mars. Really? Yeah. And so this wasn't a guy that was just a knucklehead, you know, a, a nut job out there, yeah. you know, like some crazy person walking the street. I mean, he contributed so many amazing things to society, and he had this brilliant scientific mind, and yet he believed, and he may probably that have. He said that the information was being given to him yeah, from, that extra, he communicated from extraterrestrials? From the other, yeah, the other. Whoa. And he, and he believed they were from Mars. So if you ever want to read a biography about him, it's called Nikolai Tesla, Man Out of Time. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of fascination with the planet Mars. Yeah. Uh, compared to... By the way, there was something interesting, and I posted on Twitter, um, actually today, which today is January the 8th. Yeah. But when uh, our listeners, when you're hearing this, it's going to be later in the month. Yeah. Um, but on Twitter, I follow NASA and other space-type feeds. Yeah. And are, are you familiar enough with Jupiter to know that it it's uh it's got like a big red spot on it, it's sort of striped horizontally. Yeah, I, I'm giving you a, <clears throat> yeah, a poor to, man's description yeah. of it. Yeah, actually, here's a uh, here's just a silhouette of what it kind of looks like here. Yeah, so that kind of looks familiar yep. too, right? And that spot there, and if anybody wants to look up a picture of Jupiter, you can find it on the web and see. There's a giant red spot. It's actually a storm. Really, that's just ongoing. Yep, constant. And it's been that wow. way for who knows how many millions. How strong of a storm? Like a hurricane kind of storm? Mm. Really? Like a gigantic cyclone. It, Jupiter is something like 318 times the size of Earth. Wow. So imagine putting 318 Earths inside that ball. Well, Earth would be swamped by that storm. Yeah. You know, And it's always been, from my understanding... About the same gigantic size, like a big red circling moon almost, but it's it's on the surface in the gaseous huh. atmosphere of uh, Jupiter. And whoever it was that posted this on Twitter showed a side-by-side -side comparison of what it normally looks like and what it looks like recently. And the storm has shrunk in size to a fraction really? of what it was. And it's never, I don't think it's ever done that historically. I could be wrong. And so I asked the question in my Twitter feed, does anybody know yeah. if historically this has been the same size or not? Wow. I wonder what's going on there. Kind of makes you wonder. It's interesting that we, when we were talking about what planets are named in the Bible, Jupiter is one of them. Yeah. And there's even a reference to a god, goddess Diana, okay. that the Ephesians worshipped in the book of Acts. And they claimed that her image fell down from Jupiter. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you, this, this whole idea of extraterrestrials in light of the Bible sheds a whole new perspective. Yeah. They're fallen angels, and they were once occupants of perhaps these nine realms, the planets. Yeah, you know? It's kind of crazy. And so we're talking about a planet that could have been, and maybe at one time, a fifth planet between Mars and Jupiter that was destroyed. Yeah. And we looked at something in the Bible called Rahab that has no explanation of who it is or what it is, but it means proud and arrogant. And yeah. um, it's also translated as the word pride, but it's Rahab in other places as a proper noun. And it was broken in pieces, destroyed along with the crooked serpent. Remember the dragon. Yeah. So there's some connection that the dragon had with Rahab. And then I think there might also be a connection with the dragon and Mars. Okay. And then now we're going to start looking at Mars and the name Idumea in Isaiah 34. So that will be verse 11. And John and I can apologize for our throat clearing because this is the time in Texas when we're dealing with cedar oh, pollen. It's horrible. Oh, it's just the worst. So we apologize for those of you that have to hear us cough or sneeze or <laughs> whatever it is we're doing. Uh, Isaiah 34, verse 11. We were talking about, uh, oh, not verse 11. Um, verse 1. It's verse 1, yeah. yeah. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury is upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath take, delivered them to the slaughter. And I remember, John, last week we were talking about this as setting the context for God's wrath yep. in the term without form and void. Yeah. Which we found in Genesis 1-2 and also in Jeremiah 4. Here it was translated in verse 11 as the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. But it's all association with the devastation of God's wrath. Okay. Now, in the context of the wrath, he says in verse um, 5, 
For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse. Now, we're going to find out that Idumea is the same name as Edom. It's just okay. another Old Testament way of saying Edom. So it's the exact same word. Uh, it's Edom, and it means red. Literally, okay. it's translated red. Now, Edom, we're going to find, is Esau, just as God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Yeah. God changed Esau, his brother's name, to Edom. Okay. And it's always interesting why God changes names. Uh, and this is an excerpt from Timothy's book, Timothy Alberino, Birthright. And I want to read this because he put this idea in my head that I think is worth exploring. Okay. And as I stated to my audience last week, I'm reaching out to Tim to, to hopefully come back on the show. We love him as a guest anyway. Yeah. But I want to really explore this with him. you know. But he writes on page 47, Just as Israel is another name for Jacob, the son of Isaac, so Edom is another name for Esau, his twin brother. The Israelites were the descendants of Jacob and the Edomites the descendants of Esau. So hmm. that makes sense, right? Yeah. That's just history. Edom was the arch enemy of Israel. A peculiar contempt for the Edomites is manifest in the scriptures as they are the recipients of more pronouncements of judgment than any other nation. All the times you read in the Bible of woe unto Babylon, woe unto Egypt, woe unto whoever, yeah. more of that is said about Edom than any other country that ever existed. Hmm. And Edom, when you think about it, geographically was a small country as we call nations yeah. today. Uh, so if you think about Israel today, if you went to Israel right now and look at it, it's one of the smallest countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Rhode Island. Yeah, I don't, maybe I'm maybe I'm off on the size of that, but it's <laughs> it's a tiny country compared to like Saudi Arabia right next to it, which yeah. is a landmass that's many many times more than that. Mm -hmm. Well, Edom was just a portion of what we would call Israel today, but it was a, a little okay. bit to the south and east of it. In today, the country we would call it Jordan. Okay. And the the country called Jordan today is much bigger than what Edom ever was at its heyday. Okay. So geographically speaking, it's interesting to note that Tim makes the statement that more they're the recipients of more pronouncements of judgment than any other nation, and yet they're this tiny little yeah. spot on the globe that doesn't seem like it has any much significance to the history of the world. He continues, in the same way that the nation Israel was representative of the kingdom of heaven on earth, and I think that can be argued to be so, so Edom was representative of its ancient extraterrestrial adversary. Wow. So he's drawing the connection, and he does so very well in the book, that Edom is symbolic of Mars. And he looks hmm. at all the connections. The red planet, Edom means red. Yeah. Uh, the dragon is red. And could he have mounted his insurrection from Mars or something? It's considered the, the war, the god of war. Uh, the war planet, the red yeah. planet, all that. So maybe there's something to that. We're going to delve into the scriptures and see what we find. So go with me to Romans chapter 9. Okay. You know, Paul, at some point in the Word of God, wrote, Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. And that was in First or Second Timothy. So I think it's good if we want to get an understanding of scriptures to start with something that Paul wrote if he wrote about it. Okay. And then go back and compare the other scriptures. And he did write about Esau in Romans chapter 9. This passage is most often used as um, a Calvinistic apologetic. Uh, Calvin, Calvinism is the idea of what they consider predestination to be. I'm going to oversimplify it, so I apologize yeah, to any yeah. Calvinists that think I'm trying to misuse what they <laughs> teach. But God is sovereign, and you have no choice in the matter. You get saved only because God chose you. Yeah. Uh, and he chose you to go to hell. So he sort of kind of went eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah. And you're saved, you're not, you're saved, you're not. The elect. Yeah. That yeah. Their, their version of it. Yeah. I disagree with that. Okay. But that's where they take it from. And so some of their arguments about that selection process yeah. is from this passage, Romans 9, verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by even one, by our Isaac, uh, Father Isaac, and just to help people they may not know, Isaac is the father of Jacob, and Rebekah was his wife. Okay. All right, so you had Abraham, who begat Isaac, who begat Jacob and Esau. Gotcha. All right, okay. so Rebekah is the mother. And verse 11, for the children being not yet born, the two children are Jacob and Esau, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, 
It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. Esau was born first, so he's the elder. Okay. Jacob is the younger. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And then Paul goes on to explain, well, who are you to speak against God? Yeah. If he says he hated Esau, he hated Esau. And a, a hardcore Tulip Calvinist is going to say, see, God's sovereign. He hated Esau. He created him to be destroyed. Yeah. But there's got to be more to it than that because God is just. You know, yeah. he's not capricious and he's not vindictive. Yeah. You know, he, has, he pours his wrath out when it's merited and judged and warranted. So why was Esau? Well, we know that God foreknew that Esau would despise the birthright. Yeah. And he sold it for a bowl of soup. So he clearly didn't believe in the promises of God. Mm-hmm. But before mm-hmm. he was even born, he makes the statement, Esau, have I hated? I would ask the question, why did God hate Esau before he was born? And is it because perhaps he is the very embodiment and symbolism of the rebellion of Lucifer? Hmm. He's the arch enemy of Israel, as it turns out, which yeah. Satan is, yeah. right? He's red and hairy. Okay. And isn't it something about, you read about like the Nephilim giants and yeah. having red hair? Red hair. Yeah. And here's this Mediterranean Semitic person <laughs> being born red hair, you know? And, uh, and I'm not trying to say that his father was an angel or anything. I mean, Jacob was, yeah. I mean, uh, Isaac was his father. You kind of wonder what, what genetically was going on there, right? Yeah. But he certainly symbolizes adversity against Israel. Tim points out, which is interesting to note that, um, and we'll come to this in a moment, that both of their names were changed from their original names. Jacob means supplanter. Okay. Jacob, Jacob, and he kind of like a thief, somebody who would cheat at cards. Okay. And Esau, when he was born, his name means hairy, because he was literally a hairy baby, almost like a goat. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Another strange thing about him. Yeah. So everything about Esau is pointing to something unusual, right? Well, redheads are just weird in general, right? I mean, right? <laughs> I've got a ginger son. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> and he's a little odd to come here. No, William, I love you. You know that. Uh, and it's funny how, you know, the, the gene for red hair skips yeah. generations and yeah. it's got to pop. It's not natural, really, man. Yeah. It's not natural. <laughs> Although I will say he has an envious head of hair, my son. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, I'd love to have his hair. <laughs> uh, anyway, go to the book of Malachi. So we, we find some very interesting things. If you have any trouble with it, folks, go to Matthew and turn left. It, no, is, the, it is the last book of the Old Testament. And Malachi chapter 1. The book of Malachi, I'm going to have to do just a full study of it um, on my Sunday morning messages. I think I've been putting that off for too long. Well, it's not very long. No. Four chapters. Just four little chapters. Yeah. And it ends with a fascinating statement. Well, we won't talk about that right Uh now. But um, Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And he's a prophet. That's his name. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? It's like a discussion between Israel and God. Okay. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob, and I hated Esau. That's where Paul got this from. Hmm. He's citing this passage, okay? But look what he didn't mention in Romans 9. And I hated Esau, verse 3, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. <laughs> what the what? heck? Yeah. <laughs> right? When was Edom laid waste? Verse 4, whereas Edom saith, now this is like if Edom Edom was to respond. Yeah. Idumea talking. Okay. Edom. Uh, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Remember how we were talking about this fascination of getting to Mars, getting back to Mars? Yeah. Back to Mars? Yeah. <laughs> have we ever been there? Mm, you know, no. Maybe Satan and his angels have. Yeah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, says, build the desolate places, That's and Mars is desolate you know, when you mm-hmm. look at it. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. Hmm. So even if they try to rebuild, which makes me wonder, before the Lord returns, are we actually going to put a man on Mars? Are they going to start to try to rebuild? Interesting. Put a colony yeah. there or something? Who knows? Uh, it's just a lot of things to think about there. But I'm fascinating, and he said he laid the mountains and his heritage waste, verse 3, for the dragons of the wilderness. And I think about maybe the dragons. We've got to talk about dragons a little bit today. Yeah. Now, when was Edom laid waste? That region of the earth is inhabited right now and is known as Jordan. And a portion of it is actually modern Israel. Okay. So if you went to historic Edom on a map, 
you could you could see a section of it is what we call Israel, and the rest of it is in Jordan. Okay. And there's people living there. It's not a waste. I mean, I'm, it's probably somewhat desert like a lot of that region. But why would he say that? Is he talking about this or is he talking about Mars? Mars. Hmm. Hmm. And is it symbolic of it? You know, yeah. again, we're drawing the connections. Go to Genesis 36. We're not going to read the entire story of the birth of Jacob and Esau and, and the stealing of the birthright. And I call it stealing because the word Jacob means thief, you know, supplanter. Uh, but, he, but he did it because he honored God's promise. He wanted it. He wanted the birthright because he wanted to honor the Lord. But there's a, an interesting thing. And, and Tim, when he, if he comes back on the show, we're going to talk about he treats the whole um, thing about the, the, the kings of Edom. Okay. And there's a genealogy there, and then it just stops. And there's like, you know, eight kings. And uh-huh. he he gets into some connection to that. And why did the genealogy stop? Why would God give a genealogy at all to a group of people that he hates? You know, sure, you yeah. Know, and and um, there's always some questions there. But in verse 8, we read, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Mount Seir is a region of Edom. Okay. Esau is Edom. So just in case anybody didn't see the connection between Esau and Edom, I'm giving you the scripture to show you that Esau is Edom. Esau means hairy. Edom means red. In fact, it's the same word, and it's in Hebrew, it's Adam, and it's the same name as Adam. Hmm. Adam literally means red man. So if anybody had a worry about whether Adam was white or black or this, well, you're both wrong. He's red. <laughs> He's red. But not red and hairy like Esau. Yeah. Okay. But Edom, Edom means red. So Esau means red. Jacob was renamed Israel. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Israel means God prevails. Okay. In the womb, before they were born, Jacob and Esau fought. And later on, when Israel, when when Jacob was a grown man, he wrestled with the Lord at at night in the middle of the desert. Okay. And uh, God broke his hip. (laughs) Hollowed out his hip, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Okay. And that's when he changed his name to Israel. contends with God. God prevails. Okay. So is the connection between the two, God prevails over the red dragon, which Mm -hmm. the serpent prophecy of Genesis 3 that so many talk about, uh, L.A. Marzulli, Tim, Alberino, and Ryan Peterson, all all these have given credence to that's the, the pivotal passage of Scripture. Uh, Genesis 3.15. Yeah. Uh, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent, the right? The seed war, yeah. Here's the seed war epitomized in two men, two brothers. Hmm. Just as Cain killed Abel, you know. It's, yeah. it's yeah. like a, an arch enemy. Cain was of that wicked one. Abel was faithful to God. Esau, wicked, red, the enemy of Israel. Okay. And Jacob, the one that gets the blessing. And Edom, like we said, is Idumea. So there's a connection in the names. Even in that, we're seeing something going on, yeah. you know, in type. Yeah. Okay? So we're looking at symbols, right? Let's go to Judges 5. Now, this passage is very interesting because in the book of Judges, Israel doesn't yet have a king. And so they're ruled by judges. Okay. And they go back and forth between being obedient to the Lord, and he blesses them, and then they turn and worship other gods, and they provoke him to anger. Okay. And he punishes them. And... He punished them uh, they, during the, the days of a judge who was Deborah. She was a woman, and she judged Israel. And during her days, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so there was a Canaanite king named Jabin. Okay. And God uh, delivered them into his hand. And uh, he had a captain over his army named Sisera. So King Jabin of the Canaanites conquered Israel, and Sisera was his captain of his yeah. host. And they're having to pay tribute, and they, they're oppressed, and they're taxed, and whatever, they're servants. And so they cry out to the Lord again, and God says, okay, I'll deliver you, because he's very okay. patient and long-suffering. Yeah. So he tells Deborah, the judge of Israel, to go and uh, find this man whose name is Barak, and he says, you lead a couple of tribes up to fight against Sisera and his army, Yeah. and you'll defeat and overthrow King Jabin. And you'll be free again, and I'll, I'll honor you. Okay. So they do. They're victorious in the battle, and they defeat Sisera. So after the battle is over, 
Deborah writes a song about it. Okay. So here's the, you know, it's kind of like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> it's like singing about what happened in the battle. And look in verse 1 of uh, Judges chapter 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, and here's the song, Praise you the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O you kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. So first they're thanking him for the victory. Mm-hmm. Verse 4. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, remember that's the mountain in Edom. Okay. When thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Now, I need to take a moment to explain. The battle that Israel fought between Sisera and his army was nowhere near Edom. Okay. They're like in northwest. Like if you were looking at the United States, they were fighting in Oregon. Okay. And Edom is Florida. Okay. Now, it's not that big, but you get the idea. So the Israelites were fighting Sisera and King Jabin, North of Jerusalem, in the northern portion of Israel. Okay. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. Edom's not even anywhere near this battle. So why is Edom brought up here? It, it, it had, it's nowhere near Edom. And then he mentions the mountains melting. We've read that before yeah. with blood, right? Yeah. And, and we've read um, the heavens drop, the clouds also drop water. And we know that in the past, God has used water to pour wrath out. Yeah. Both in the flood of Noah and before that in Genesis 1 2. Now, staying there in Judges 5, skip on down to verse 20. We're not going to read the whole song. But another interesting thing about this battle, verse 20. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Hmm. The stars in the course. What are stars symbolic of in the Bible? Angels. Angels, yeah. right? The river of Kishon swept them away. That ancient river, the river Kishon. Could he be talking about like a river in the heavens? Hmm. Right? Maybe like an orbit or something. Oh, my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Then were the horse hooves broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. Curse ye Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Now, we're introduced to another name, Miraz. Yeah. Who is that? There's no reference in the Bible anywhere else but right here. That word miraz is used one time. And the Strongest Concordance says the word means refuge. And they say it's a place in northern Palestine, but site is unknown. So okay. they're guessing. Yeah, yeah. They're, oh, it must be a city in northern Palestine, because northern Palestine is where the battle was. Yeah. But could this be a reference to a prior heavenly battle? In other words, was hmm. what was taking place with Israel in on the real time mm-hmm. on the ground between Sisera, the king of King Jabin of the Canaanites, yeah. and Israel in northern Palestine, was it actually taking place? But it was symbolic of and referenced in song to a much more ancient battle that took place in the starry heavens with the stars in heaven fighting against Sisera, who his name might be symbolic of the dragon. Yeah. You know, Sisera is just a bad guy yeah. on the earth, but could he be a picture and type of, just as many men are types of the devil, the Antichrist, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Judas, whatever. I think even Ryan Peterson in his book uh, discusses Sisera as being one of the types, you know, hmm. of Antichrist or, or Apollyon. Yeah. In the pit. Is that in, that's in the final Nephilim? The final Nephilim, the final, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm Thank you for that. that right, <laughs> okay. Right well, you'll, you'll run into it. You'll run okay. into it. Yeah. Now, I think Tim Alberino in his book has to go to some Talmudic traditions or something, some non-biblical writings to find Miraz anywhere. Okay. And he, and he gives their perspective of what the, he thinks that the ancient Hebrews might have thought about Miraz, but they all believe it was a planet. Okay. 
Well, I'm going to read that one next. So yeah, yeah. So Tim's going to have to wait until, Tim's I, get, have to until, until I get done with <laughs> Ryan's book. I'm going to read Tim's book. So I, I don't, I didn't study that book, and I haven't read it. The one he okay. refers to, the, the, these uh, Israelites uh, or these Hebrew, um, whatever. Uh, I think it's something. I can't remember what it was called now. The Zohar or something. But um, so okay. I, I have no. I can't use that as a reference point. But it's just fascinating that it was mentioned. Yeah. You know. Okay. So let's go back to Ezekiel 25. So Seir was a mountain in Edom, and it was nowhere near the battle that Deborah speaks of in her song, and yet Seir is mentioned, Edom is mentioned, yeah. uh, warring in heaven is mentioned, the stars fighting in their courses is mentioned. Could it be that there's some picture there, some, something, as Timothy would say, esoteric meaning okay. beyond just the obvious yeah. thing? Uh, Ezekiel 25, verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against the Ammonites and prophesy against them. And let me make sure I've got the right chapter here. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it is the right chapter. Um, the Ammonites are um, being prophesied against, and they're near Edom. Okay. Um, and to help maybe with the history again, long before um, Jacob and Esau, Abraham, yeah. Israel's grandfather was in the land of Israel, and he had a nephew named Lot. You remember that yeah, name, Lot? Yeah, I do. Lot dwelt in Sodom, and God poured mm-hmm. his wrath out against, and again, Sodom and Gomorrah could be pictures of some other wrath yeah. and destruction of perhaps a planet, who knows? But they were real cities okay. that were destroyed in God's wrath. I believe they had some connection to angelic sin that yeah. was going yeah. on in Sodom. But God sent angels to drag Lot kicking and screaming out of the city. His wife turned back, looked at the wrath of God falling, and what happened to her? She turned a pillar of salt. Turned into a pillar of salt. So he had no wife to continue on, and then he had two daughters. Well, they got the bright idea that, well, they don't have husbands, and all the men of Sodom have died in the wrath. Uh And all they have is their dad, so they got him drunk. Uh Uh-oh. And they slept with him. Okay. And they each conceived a child, and one of them was Ammon. Okay. So he's a, a incestuous child born of Lot and his daughter. Okay. And another one's name is Moab. Okay. And so God pronounces judgment on Ammon in Ezekiel 25, on Moab in verse 8, and then we come to Edom in verse 12. Now watch this. Thus saith the Lord God, because that Edom hath dealt against the house of Judah, which is part of Israel, yes. by taking vengeance, and hath greatly offended and revenged himself upon them, therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will also stretch out mine hand upon Edom, and I will cut off man and beast from it, and I will make it desolate from Teman, and they of Dedan shall fall by the sword. And I guess Teman or Teman and Dedan are regions around Edom or something. Yeah. And I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel. And they shall do in Edom according to mine anger and according to my fury. And they shall know my vengeance, saith the Lord God. And then he goes on to talk about Philistia there. And remember last week we read a number of names that were mentioned in Psalm 87. And all of them were regions or cities that God has either punished in the past or will in the future. Okay. Tyre was among them. Philistia was among them. Yeah, yeah. Rahab was among them. And here we see Philistia being warned and Tyrus being warned in chapter 26. So you're, you're seeing these same people, hmm. these same cities, these same regions. And yet Rahab, as we found out, we don't know where that is. Yeah. Nothing mentioned of that. And yet there's a connection to God breaking it into pieces when he broke the crooked serpent. And we're going to talk about the serpent a little Hmm. bit more in just a moment. So all these prophecies looking back in time to, are they possibly looking back to ancient intergalactic battles that took place between God and the dragon? That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And they were were typified in real events that happened Mm -hmm. on the earth. But as we know from the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And the planets are all under the sun. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So you really have to expand your thinking Hmm. to process all this. So go back to Psalm 75. Now we talk about the dragon here. And we're going to try to bring this into some sort of connection to Mars. 
and the mystery of Mars. So we can't prove definitively that Mars is Edom, but we see a connection. The red planet, red person, yeah, uh, yeah. enemy of God, Satan's the enemy of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was his purpose, he said, to, to destroy Edom, and it would never be inhabited again. And no matter what men might think, I don't believe we're ever going to colonize Mars. We're talking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but if God said it's never going to be inhabited again, and it is Edom in type, yeah. then we ain't going to build nothing there, <laughs> you know, no matter what we think. So we're going to go to Psalm 7410, John. Okay. And we're going to start in verse 10. Oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Now, who is the adversary in, in general? Satan. Satan. Yeah. The name yeah. Shaitan literally means the adversary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? We know that Satan blasphemes the God of heaven. Yep. Why withdrawest thy, thou thy right hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. God, if you think about it, his son is his right hand. He's yeah. the arm of the Lord, the right arm of the Lord. He's in the bosom of the Father right now. He's ascended up. Yeah. He's with him. So it's kind of like the psalmist is writing, how much longer are you going to wait before the Lord comes to pour your wrath out and defeat the enemy? Hmm. Why okay. is he going to hide there in your, in your bosom? Right? Verse 12, for God is my king of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. That's the third reference we've seen about dividing the sea. Hmm. And and each time we're thinking, oh, it's the Red Sea, it's the Red Sea. But, you know, he also parted the Jordan River. Yeah. Right? And we talked about the word sea being like the sea of glass is far above all heavens. Right? Yeah. So could could the sea be a reference to cosmology, you know, to, to hmm. the solar system? Yeah. Right? So thou dividest the sea by thy strength, thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. And that verse 14 is very peculiar and hard yeah. to understand. You know, the, gave him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. But here's what I do know. Leviathan is the seven-headed dragon. Okay. He said, thou breakest the heads of Leviathan, plural. Yeah. We know there's seven. He's the seven-headed dragon that typifies the serpent or Satan. Uh, are there other six heads of the seven? Are the other six heads indicative of other rebel princes that joined Lucifer in the rebellion? Yeah. Slightly lesser than him. Maybe cherubs even. Could they have each, maybe one of them ruled over a planet or something? Yeah. And could they have been, is that what he's talking about? Is this a reference to an ancient battle that took place long before God gave man dominion, before he restored the earth? You know? Yeah. And when we, we've talked about um, several episodes ago when we discussed dinosaurs, remember? Yeah, yeah. And we talked, to, is it possible that while when Satan was the anointed cherub and he was on the earth, we know he was on Eden, the garden of God, and the mountain of God. Is it possible that he... When he first mounted the rebellion, looking at God's nature and how long-suffering he is, yeah, did he give them untold ages yeah. to repent, as he does man? You know, we're, we're 6,000 years into history from, say, Adam to now, yeah. if that's accurate. Mm-hmm. It could be longer. Yeah. But whatever it is, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he doesn't come down and show up and say, I'm God, believe on me. Mm-hmm. He's got the foolishness of preaching he saves them that believe. Mm-hmm. So he's long-suffering, but he reaches out through his word, and he just sits back and he waits for man who he's given free will to choose to accept him and believe yeah. him. Right? Could he have done the same thing with angels in the past and gave them every opportunity, and they wouldn't? So it's 6,000 years to us, but it could be 50,000 years to them. Or who, millions. Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea. And could it be that during that time, and this is an interesting speculation, during that time that Lucifer was the king of Tyrus and he rebelled and the rebellion was quashed and uh, he was pushed back maybe or who knows what happened and uh, God was trying to give him a chance to repent. Yeah. Or maybe he was boasting and the whole time he was boasting and formulating it, he was trying to alter or manipulate the creation and he can't create because he's not God. Yeah. But could he have been genetically modifying the DNA of the animals and he made them all look like him? Hmm. Dinosaurs. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. That's another thought. To Serpents. Yeah. yeah. So he's the serpent. Yeah. He was he wanted them to be in his image. Oh. Right? Wow. So maybe all the occupants yeah. besides his angels were walking around and all the animals were dinosaurs. 
And maybe for millions of years, for all we know. We don't know. Yeah. But God was giving them an opportunity to repent. And then what destroyed the dinosaurs, right? Comets. Yeah. Or, or whatever, some big yeah. cataclysm. Is it possible that after who knows how long, Satan said, I'm tired of waiting around. I, I can't create. I'm not making what I want. I want the throne of God. They launch their rebellion. They move up to Mars. They attack from Mars. They go toward God. And God says, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Boom. Destroys Rahab. Obliterates Mars. Obliterates the Earth. Yeah. Kills all the dinosaurs. The Earth is in, in, you know, surrounded in darkness. Even the sun is blocked out, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways. You can say, well, he made the sun and the moon on the fourth day. Well, maybe he did, or maybe he made it reappear. Yeah. Or maybe he created it, and he was the light, Yeah. you know, at the center of the solar system or whatever. It, it, there's so many ways you can approach this. Yeah. You know, but it's just a fascinating thing. So it's it's really, to me, the Bible is unfolding to be more like an, this fantastic. It's like a awesome sci-fi yes yeah like a fantasy <laughs> flick or something uh and and we don't know and so why didn't god just come out and say all these things well i mean he's hiding some truth yeah he only wants us to know what he needs us to know and he wrote the bible to men yeah not to the angels yeah they know the history you know he's saying to us by faith believe on me mm -hmm. you know i'll give you the knowledge i'll give you the understanding as you need it but if the dragon is red like Edom, there's certainly a connection in type. Okay. Right? So let's go. Yeah. We talked about Leviathan there. Go The heads of Leviathan. Go back to Revelation 12. And I think we can probably wrap this up pretty quick. Okay. We might make it a little bit longer episode, but that's okay. As long as you guys don't mind. Uh, we, we hope we're keeping you like on the edge of your seat. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I want to know how's this going to end. But Revelation 12, verse 3, there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. We've talked about this last week. Yeah. You know, uh, In verse 4, he drew his tail, drew the third part of the stars of heaven. They cast him to the earth. Could this have been many, many eons ago? You know, sure, when yeah. the tail of the dragon, he threw his angels down to the earth to corrupt it as Genesis 6, mm -hmm. in a sense. Yeah. Right. And uh, here he is, Leviathan, the red dragon. Uh, this was just his constant attempts to corrupt and destroy what God made. Earth, maybe Mars was once a beautiful, thriving uh, Eden-like planet. Yeah. Maybe so was Jupiter. Yeah. And Rahab, if it was a planet. Yeah. So hmm. the dragon is red like Edom. We know that. And then go to chapter 17. <clears throat> we'll stay here just to wrap this up in Revelation. Well, we may go to another passage, too. I think we're going to go to Isaiah. But we'll, we'll hang, hold a finger in Revelation in chapter 17. is a reference to the, the great whore of Babylon. And verse 3 says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Now, incidentally... When we talked about Rahab, we said the word Rahab is also the harlot yeah. from Jericho. Yeah. So it's it's a different word, but the same spelling in English. And here we see a, a harlot, yeah. the woman, said a scarlet-colored beast. Scarlet is red. Verse 3, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So here's hmm. the red dragon reappearing in the end times. With apostate Jerusalem, I believe, the, the yeah. mystery Babylon is the whore at, at his seat. So we see connections there. There's no doubt about it. If we fast forward, the Lord is going to come back. The right arm of God, who's hidden in his bosom right now, is coming back to destroy the Antichrist. Yeah. All right? So you think, where is he coming from? Where's the Lord coming from? Well, he's coming from heaven, right? Yeah. Look what the Bible says, Isaiah 63. He is, of course, coming from heaven. He's going to descend with a shout with the voice of the archangel, right? Yeah. But in chapter 63, verse 1, it says, Who is this that cometh from Edom hmm. with dyed garments from Basra, a city in Edom? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a prophecy of a second coming. Verse 2. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? He's not saying you're red in skin. Yeah. You're color, you're, you're, why is your clothing red? Yeah. Verse 3, I've trodden the winepress alone. Well, he came from Eden. Eden means red. Mars is the red planet. Yeah. 
Is it possible when the Lord descends from heaven to the earth that he stops off at Edom, Mars? Yeah. And he, and he gathers everybody together. All right, ready? Ready to launch the final attack. I've trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, wrath of God, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. So clearly it's the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. The Lord returns coming from Edom. So could Mars be the dragon's current command center? Could Satan literally be principalities and powers in high places on the planet Mars? That's interesting. That's a thought. He's the god of war. Yeah. The god of, you know... During the first three and a half years of the tribulation, there's going to be war in heaven. Revelation 12, we didn't read that yeah, part. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it could be engaged from Mars, and then the enemy forces are going to be pushed back and confined to the earth. And from that point, the angels regather at Mars, and the Lord joins them. He says, okay, final attack. Wow. End of the seven years. Just, just thinking about it, you know. But uh, it makes sense because Mars is close planet to the sun. Yeah. Right, I think Venus is actually closer, but I don't know. It seems like he's coming from the outer reaches yeah, instead yeah. of the inner reaches of, of the hmm. solar system. But uh, we mentioned the war there. Let me just show people real quick in Revelation 12. We'll go back there, and I think I think we're going to wrap it up in Revelation. Yeah, yeah. So Revelation 12. So we've already been introduced to the dragon in verse three. Go to verse seven, and there was war in heaven. Yeah, I believe this is going to begin. And frankly, here's how I see it laying out, John, to be honest with you. The rapture of the church is going to occur sometime when we don't know. Okay. We go out, yeah. caught up. When we do, I think it's going to be like we're going to break through enemy ranks, shoom, like a tunnel going through the line of defense. Okay. And out we go to heaven to be with the Lord. And at that moment, it's almost like God's angels are going to flood into that breach yeah. and engage in battle. With the uh, with the enemy, yeah. with Satan and his angels, and so they're going to start fighting. And maybe it's like as we go up, they chase after us, and they get as far as Mars when Michael shows up with yeah. his host, right? So he says, um, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, verse seven, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. So their place is in heaven. As far as where they operate, you know. Okay. So they're going to be confined, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And we talk all the time about could they appear in flying saucers and claim to be aliens. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. That's Satan, the, the serpent. Uh, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night, hmm. and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The accuser of our, our brethren, Israel, day yeah. and night. They're the saints of God, but it's in particular in this time, it's Israel. Edom, the arch enemy of Israel, right? Okay. Esau hated. I have hated him. Uh, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, Christ, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. So these are the martyrs during tribulation. Verse 12, rejoice, therefore, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Hmm. Interesting. Who dwells in heaven? You know, I'm starting to think about other people and planets. You know, yeah. not human beings, but angels. Yeah. You know, good ones. Rejoice, um, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And he could just be talking about the saints that ascended up, you mm-hmm. know, in the rapture. Mm-hmm. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. The woman is Israel, typified. Verse 14, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place. What is her place? Well, it's in the wilderness. Hmm. where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Now, where did we say the Lord is going to come from? 
eat them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There are many that believe that when Israel flees into the wilderness, John, they're going to go to a city called Petra. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I have heard of it. And you can see pictures of Petra if you look it up. Yeah. It's a red rock city built into the yeah. cliffside. You know where it is? Uh, no. It's in Jordan. Huh. Edom. Wow. Okay. Ryan Peterson uh, contends in his book that you're reading, you're going to get to that part, yeah. that maybe when the Lord comes back, he's going to pick up his saints in Edom and bring them to Jerusalem with him hmm. as he fights the Antichrist. Wow. I'm telling you, it just blows my mind to wow. put all this together. So uh, verse 15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. I'm thinking this might be like an army of angels or something. Okay. Water. You know, we talked about the sea and the heavens and everything else, right? Yeah. Verse 16, and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And of course, we know there's angels confined in the earth right yeah. now. In the abyss. And the dragon was wroth, verse 17, with the woman, and went to make war, God of war, with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So evidently, once confined to the earth, the dragon persecutes the woman. She flees into the wilderness, which may be Petra, and it happens to be in Edom. And then finally, the Lord comes back. Like I said, he comes from Edom. He apparently will gather his saints there, uh, the, the remnant, if you okay. will. And then chapter 19 shows the, the, the voyage from beginning to end, I guess, verse 11, Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, what we're going to do here, John, is we're going to tie Revelation 19 into Isaiah 63, which shows who is this that comes with dyed garments from Basra okay. in Edom, okay? Edom and Basra aren't mentioned here, but watch verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Hmm. And his name is called the Word of God. So there's no question who it is. Yeah. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. But he's stained red. It's the same person that's in Isaiah 63, the arm of the Lord, yeah. and he's coming back from Edom. Verse um, 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. I think we're going to be there. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. Hmm. Like he said in the pronouncement against the nations back in Isaiah, but he specifically called out Edom, you know. Yeah. Um, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And it's interesting to note that he's going to have to smite them with a rod of iron and rule them with a rod of iron. Because what did we see, in, if you might recall, in Daniel chapter 2, what was going to try to mingle with the clay in men? That was iron feet, iron. right? Iron feet, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So he was saying that the toes were iron mixed with clay. Yeah. And what are the iron? It's angels. Yeah. Fallen angels. Yeah. Trying to make hybrid, you yeah. know, Nephilim. So he's going to rule them with a rod of iron because he's going to. It's the word of God. It's yeah. the word of his mouth. But he's smiting the iron enemies. You know, verse sixteen. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. So if there's any question about who this is, you know who it is now. The Lord yeah. returns to fight an epic battle against the red dragon and his princes and his satanic human proxies. Hmm. So it's possible that uh, Mars is Edom. That was a lot you packed into yeah. one episode. <laughs> well, we head spinning. <laughs> well, we wanted to make sure we covered it as much as we could because we're going to get into next time alien abductions. Oh, yeah. And believe it or not, there might be a connection between genetic modification that's going on today and the, yeah. and the AI, transhumanism, even the transgender uh, movement is, is something to do with that. And we're going to find out that... Um, there's an eternal purpose of God, and yeah. it is to destroy the works of the devil. And it would make sense that it's every step of the way, from the ancient past of whatever he destroyed to what he's currently doing on earth right now. God's going to clean up the mess he made at every stage of the game. Hmm. And I think that's what we're going to see. 
Very interesting. Sorry to overwhelm you with so much. That's all right. I'll have to listen <laughs> multiple times. Me too. And I hope it's something that's beneficial. Again, we do our best to not speculate too much. We were clearly speculating today, but I think there's Bible evidence. And Lord willing, Tim Albarina will agree to come on the show and maybe give us a little more insight into the research he's done into Mars specifically and the connection to Eden. Okay. All right. That'd be awesome. So thank you, John. Yep. And as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, you take care. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode, and we so much appreciate you sharing with others and your friends and tell them about the show. We'd also love it if you'd one more time consider joining Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast as a subscriber. Absolutely. And keep in mind that your subscription helps us get the word out to as many people as we can possibly reach. So we appreciate you partnering with us. Don't forget, it's BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. And thanks again for joining us today.